everyone, I'm Chase. Right, um, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to have far-reaching effects um, on the global economy and our stock market. So what can we do to survive through this crisis and get our finances in working order? So today for our next Resilient um, podcast series, we're very happy to actually invite Haris back with us again. Haris, hi, say hi. <laughs> hi, hi guys. Hi, Jace. Uh, thank you for inviting me back. It's always an honor to be speaking to you guys. Uh, I think today, um, you know, I'll try to make uh, whatever that we're going to talk about, you know, something that we can do immediately. I think right now a lot of people are affected in many different ways. Um, and it's something that we never saw, you know, would happen. And it really kind of like uh, hit us almost in a flash. So I hope to be able to give you guys, uh, you know, some good answers, some things that uh, we can do a little bit better or different uh, moving forward. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you for your time as well. So for those um, who probably uh, um, know, right, Haris is our one of our previous uh, podcast guests. He is also an independent, being, other being a, a freelance uh, voiceover talent, he's actually also an independent financial advisor uh, pursuing his business interests in digital marketing, copywriting, and of course, finance, right? Um, you can actually check out our previous uh, podcast sessions uh, where um, Haris as well as another freelancer, Ryan, share about their perspective of financial management for freelancers, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, welcome back and thank you so thank much you. for coming back again, right? So, maybe just briefly share with us, how have you been, especially during the last two months? I think, you know, everybody's affected. Uh, I'm affected, of course. Um, I think the thing is, you know, how do we roll with the punches? Um, because we are getting punched, you know, left, right, center. Every day that this goes along, you know, um, Circuit Breaker was... I don't know, some people expected it, some people did not expect how, you know, how long it would last and now we're in phase one of reopening and it still feels like Circuit Breaker, you know, part three. Um, and so, yeah, it's effect everybody's affected, but, you know, we do what we can um, and especially if, you know, for some of us who are lucky enough to still be able to make an income and to work right now, I am uh, fortunate enough to be in the finance industry where uh, we are deemed as essential services. Um, and I think the first few weeks um, of circuit breaker period, I think, you know, we were still able to meet clients, but then that quickly, you know, uh, got taken away from us. So everybody then uh, now has to do, you know, online Zoom and all that. So it's been a challenge trying to adapt to that. And I know I should have way, way before this, but, you know, um, I think it's it's a good time to to. Uh, re-strategize and, and see what we can do moving forward. I think uh, as economies are now reopening, you know, it will get better. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, so far it has been okay. Yeah. Mm. Great, great. Yeah, I guess everybody is trying to adapt to what we call the new normal, right? Where everything needs to be conducted online, right? Including mm -hmm. advising, including talking yeah. to clients and things like that. So, yeah. um, I mean, as you have rightly pointed out, this, this current pandemic was really something that caught a lot of us off guard. Right. Um, you know, looking back, right, how do you think, um, you know, as freelancers, um, you know, we can actually get our finances in working order? Um, and, you know, in your point of view, to, to withstand, right, a situation mm -hmm. like this, how much cash do you think a freelancer should hold um, yeah. at any one time? Okay. So I think, Jace, um, one of the most important things to understand about finance is that a lot of it is preparation. Uh, similar to medicine, uh, the prevention is better than cure, and sometimes cure is surgery. You know, so 
I think right now, for those that are bleeding on the table, you know, on the surgery table financially, uh, surgery is something that is a, a must, you know. And the thing about surgery, it's never nice. Um, and some people may not survive. And we have to understand that that's uh, going to be a fact. So just some things regarding preparation, um, you know, I think right now, um, for, for people who are self-employed, I think there are two big different... Um, areas where you can see yourself as a self-employed person or you can see yourself as a business owner as an entrepreneur and um, I think more people who are self-employed have to realize that um, they need to see themselves more as business owners other than just somebody who doesn't work nine to five and can work odd hours you know I think that uh, moving towards that understanding that okay I'm a business owner uh, could help in terms of the finance uh, but on to your question regarding how much cash should people hold uh, one thing that I do want to mention is that a lot of financial advice written online is written for the 9 to 5 employee uh, somebody who has um, reliable active income on a month-to-month -month basis that is pretty much consistent as we go along and a lot of financial advice um, is not written for variable income it's not written for somebody who uh, can't really commit who you know doesn't know how much they're going to earn next year, doesn't know how much they're going to earn next month, you know. So I think that when we talk about um, preparations and stuff like that, how much cash you should hold, we're talking about emergency um, emergency funds, right? So a lot of people talk about emergency funds. Whole six months of expenses um, is the usual, uh, you know, term that everybody says. Whole six months of expenses, blah, blah, blah. But I think people who are self-employed and maybe also business owners who have variable income, you might want to bump that up. You know, I think holding 12 months... 18 months, 24 months isn't that too isn't too bad. Holding a little bit more cash, now that we see how important cash is, cash flow is, I think it's it's not that big of an issue because you see if you have reliable income, yeah, 6 months of expenses should be enough. But I think right now we should bump it up to about 12 months of expenses. So, and this is not just, you know, your day-to-day -day expenses. When as a self-employed person, if you are running a little bit more of a business, you have business expenses as well. That should incorporate uh, how much cash you should hold. So I think it's quite normal to hold, you know, 12 months. It could be 20 plus thousand, 50,000, uh, depends on how you run your business. I think that is uh, something that, again, should have been done in preparation. But I think right now, moving forward, it's something that we should be building as quickly as possible. Mm. Right. So for those self-employed, um, you know, uh, with a series of government um, support schemes that's been launched for self-employed person, right? Um, for those self-employed who qualified for SIRS, the self-employed yes. incentive relief scheme in that sense, what do you mm -hmm. think they can do now to actually fully utilize the money that was uh, provided uh, to yeah. meet, you know, their, their current situation? Okay. So I think an anybody that has obligations such as rent, such as um, you know, uh, creditors should do that first. You know, any money that's coming in, um, you know, should be survival first. So if you need to utilize this money immediately, and in, if the three thousand, you know, comes in, well, it's nine thousand uh, over three three different uh, payouts, right? But if that money is coming in and it immediately has to go out to pay for things that you know you're obligated to pay for, please by all means do that. You know. Um, but there would be a second group of people who see this as, okay, uh, this would help. I, I, I'm surviving, yes, you know, so I can still put food on the table and this is bonus money. For those that are receiving SERS and to them SERS is, you know, a little bit of bonus money, a little bit of cushion, you need to understand that this is this money, you know, is meant to 
hold you, you know, for pretty much nine months. You know, so it was supposed to be when it started it was a thousand dollars per month for nine months. You know, it's just the way that it's given out. It's you know three times of three k. So you need to understand that this is nine months worth of money, right? This is not money that you that you you know should finish as quickly as possible. Uh, in fact, try as hard as you can to you know even prolong it even further than that. Because the thing is, we still don't know how long this would last. And for different people in different um, categories of self-employed. So, for example, I recently, um, you know, saw discussions regarding tattoo artists. So, people who are doing, you know, who are tattoo artists, they unfortunately fall into phase three. You know, so I can go out and get a haircut, which I did yesterday. You know, and that's a it's a one to one, you know, uh, business transaction, and it's similar to how tattoo is, but tattoo artists don't get the same treatment. You know, I can't go get a tattoo today. Not saying that I would, uh, but I can't do that. And you know, the government has said that only after a vaccine is found, then we would reopen, um, you know, such services. We don't know how long that would be. In fact, nine months might still be too little you know it might be even longer than that we don't know so i think right now any source money any bonus money any grants you're getting for the government yes pay your obligations first but stockpile that you know don't immediately use it don't immediately you know buy a new laptop um if things are breaking down try to hold on uh for as for as long as possible and um i think that's pretty much you know what it's meant for and i think government has already said what it's meant for do it for that purpose to really, you know, make it last for as long as you can. Mm. So for now, um, I think the a lot of the freelancers or self-employed probably would have already realized that how important it is to have emergency funding. So for those yeah. who have it, you know, um, yeah, happy for them. So for those who doesn't, is it too yeah. late or too early for them to start, um, you know, building their financial um, safety net now? Yeah. Again, I think the whole analogy is that if you're bleeding on the surgery in on the surgery table and you need surgery right now, please get that done. You know, make sure that you can feed yourself, you can feed your family, and that you can still you know um, have shelter over your head over the next few months, right? Um, but if we are going to get out of this, um, you know, safe and healthy, then uh, we can see how important it is to build financial safety nets. I think that when we talk about financial safety nets, it's not a pool of money. It's not like our national reserves, like I would say, you know. So we're lucky to be in Singapore and we see that, you know, government is very prudent having financial reserves set aside that we can tap on. Not every self-employed person or, or you know, freelancer or business owner um, has that huge pool of reserve that they can just, okay, yeah, I think I need to tap on that right now. Instead, when we talk about financial safety nets for the self-employed individual or for the freelancer, it's about having multiple sources of income. Building financial safety nets for somebody who has variable income is about making sure how much more guaranteed income can you add into your monthly pocket, you know? And I think um, this comes to a point where I would like to bring up where there are seven sources of passive income. Uh, passive income has had a very bad rep uh, over the last decade or so. A lot of the times when people talk about passive income, they think about get-rich-quick schemes, but it's not that. It's just, you know, an extra $100, $200, $500 every month to your pocket um, that could help, you know, pay for, um, you know, daily necessities, whatever it is. So building immediate 
um, you know, sources of passive income other than just, you know, your your gigs that you have is very important. So I would like to talk about the seven uh, sources of passive income. So first uh, is dividends from an equity portfolio. So you can buy stocks, you can buy equities, which are basically mean that you, you know, hold a part of um, a, an existing company. Company does well, you make money. So when a company makes profit, they might give out dividends to shareholders. So dividends from an equity portfolio is something that you can work towards building and getting dividends on a monthly, quarterly, semi-annually uh, uh, basis could definitely help you out. Uh, but there comes, there are risks that it comes to um, equity investments, and that's something that we can talk about on another session. But it's just one source. Secondly, would be coupons from a bond portfolio, right? So this would be things like in Singapore, we have our Singapore Savings Bonds um, that gives out um, again a semi-annual income. These are more guaranteed sources of income. Uh, potential loss of capital is, uh, you know, almost zero. Um, you know, we have our Singapore government securities and then, you know, you can also buy global bonds. That coupon that gives you on a monthly basis, semi-annual basis, is another way you can get income. Uh, again, this is totally separate from your your business, your freelancer, your, your active variable income. And I think you need to start putting more money into these um, sources instead. So bond uh, coupons from a bond portfolio. Uh, thirdly, I think this is more common would be uh, interest from cash or cash instruments. So having money in the bank right now, we're fortunate enough to see high yield savings accounts giving one plus two percent if you are uh, you want to jump through hoops. Uh, so that small little you know extra percentage could could definitely help. It's a few um, you know hundred dollars maybe on a per year basis depends on how much cash you're holding. So that's one very important source to have. So uh, interest from cash instruments. Uh, next would be payouts from social security or a pension. So this is CPF. Uh, for somebody that's quite a bit younger, this is not something you can tap on right now. Uh, but if you are a little bit older, past 55, 65 years old, and let's say you're still a freelancer, you're not fully retired yet, uh, CPF is a, a way to get passive income. If you're outside of Singapore, uh, your own um, government pension or social security benefits is one way to get an income. So make sure you abuse the system. Most of the time, it's free money. Uh, at least in Singapore, you know, you have a guaranteed 2.5 uh, to 4% uh, from our CPF account. So uh, make sure you do utilize that, especially as a self-employed individual, because we don't have our employers giving us CPF. Uh, this is something that you can consider to um, use as well. Um, uh, next would be uh, bonuses or again, similar payouts from insurance policies, uh, which would be in the form of endowment plans, annuity plans, retirement income products. Uh, I think this is something that's usually overlooked. Um, annuity products, um, usually you can contribute over five year, 10 year or single premium and immediately you get uh, income for the rest of your life. Uh, this is something that self-employed people can work towards building a financial safety net of guaranteed income from annuities uh, that you know can pay you pretty decently as well it can pay you almost immediately unlike cpf where you might have to wait uh till a much older age um so that's one um i think one that uh see i've lost i've already covered so many uh one thing that i do want to talk about that i think self-employed individuals have an advantage over full-time employees is one very important source of income from intellectual property okay uh, i think intellectual property is something that is almost not really talked about at all um you know and a lot of people think that oh intellectual property means i need to create a product i need to create a patented product and then sell that and then you know i have to be like jeff bezos to have intellectual property 
that's far from the truth. So the thing is, right now, as self-employed people, if you are successful in your field uh, and you have nothing to do, write a book, create a course, uh, talk about how to do your job um, for any budding um, freelancer, any budding people who want to enter your field. Uh, and if you can be a mentor of some sorts and document all these things down, these could be your intellectual property. I think for people who, let's say, are in uh, the immediate creative field, so people who are doing photography, you may already understand intellectual property. You know, you, you sell rights to your photos and you get a passive income from the businesses that use your um, resources. But for people who aren't photographers, for example, um, you can still create certain intellectual property uh, tools that can give you a passive source of income. You know, I think this is actually almost costless sometimes. Uh, right now in the age of, you know, digital age, you don't have to print a book. Ebook is good enough. And I think, you know, you can work towards giving that out, selling that, uh, doing talks. Um, these are things that would build your brand and then give you a form of intellectual property as well. Your own personal branding is a good source of intellectual property. Um, so, yeah, I think I covered most of them. If I missed out, I think I would send something to uh, Creative at Work so that you guys can create a Facebook post about if, if I've missed out or anything. That would yeah. be very helpful because I think what you said was really, really, um, you know, something that is very useful, right, and very practical. Um, you know, I think we often hear from hear from our freelancers is that, oh, you know, because I'm a creative, hence I doesn't know a lot about financial management, right? Yeah. So to a freelancer who actually said that to you, what would be your response be? I think like every uh, topic, look it up. That's the first thing. I think no, okay. It's, it's a good thing that you know that you don't know, you know? So there are things that we know, there are things we don't know. Uh, I mean, we know we don't know, and then there are things we don't know we don't know, right? So at least with finance, you know you don't know, you can go figure it out, you know? And it's not that hard. It's, uh, finance is a topic that has been, you know, etched into the system for uh, a millennia, pretty much, right? Capitalism is a new, you know, earning an income, people talking about saving money, is not new, you know, and I think there are tons of free resources out there. Um, finding a mentor that could be in your field or in a similar field that has um, been successful, you know, in the financial term, in the financial sense of the word, could also be a way to get immediate knowledge, you know. So look it up. You are lucky to know that you don't know such a topic. So look it up. That's one. Keep reading, keep learning. Unlike math in school, you're not being tested. So, you know, you have to worry about that. There's no quiz at the end of the day. It's just how you want to, um, you know, uh, figure out how to plan your own finances. And then a successful mentor that has been there and done that could definitely give you a tip or two. Mm. Yeah. So at what point in time, um, you know, another very common um I would say respond that we always get from our freelancers when we ask them about you know uh, setting aside emergency funds you know and things like that they will always say oh you know uh, because I don't even have enough I'm living from paycheck to paycheck so I mm -hmm. don't have enough right so where do I start so I'm just wondering for, for freelancers like this what would you advise yeah. what is enough like must they have $2,000 to start $3,000 to start right so, I, so okay. what would you that's actually a very good question and I think a lot of the time uh, when people are saying they're living paycheck to paycheck, um, of course, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that there are definitely people who are, you know, they, they don't make enough and all the fixed expenses, just fixed expenses, things that 
you can't negotiate on already take up all their money. And I get that. There are definitely people in that category. But we need to understand there are fixed costs and there are variable costs. One thing that I personally don't like, I think budgeting sucks. To be honest, budgeting sucks. Nobody likes it, right? But it is something that's important to at least start with. Every freelancer needs to know all their outflows. I think understanding the evil is the first step forward, you know? And it's not something that you have to keep doing month after month after month. Usually, you do it maybe two or three months and you kind of get the hang of it. And then you know pretty much how much is your, your average monthly spending, you know? But that first step to do budgeting, to kind of like really write everything down and understand where all your money is going, you might surprise yourself. This is something, to, I, I have a friend in the States, right? So he recently called me, this was like a month ago. He recently called me. And now that, you know, we're all facing this issue, his first question to me is, dude, I don't know where I spend my money on, you know? And I think that's, that's actually a very big problem. People don't exactly know where they're spending the money on, where's this money going, you know? My friend, for example, let's say he makes $5,000. I ask him, so how much do you spend, um, you know, every month? Oh, I spend about three grand, let's say. So by right, you didn't spend 2,000, right? So after a year, that's 24,000. So last year, if let's say your bank account was 20,000, this year, is it 44,000? If it's still 20,000, then maybe you might wanna figure that out. Where did your money go? So budgeting sucks and I understand, but get the rhythm of it at the start, two to three months of just diligent work. And after that, you don't have to, you know, have a Hawkeye view on it. Um, you know, on a on a daily basis, but but that's a that's a uh, you know a place that we all have to work from, uh, understanding you know how much is coming in and truly how much is going out. Um, I have uh, an interesting method when it comes to budgeting for freelancers. Um, it's actually called a reset to zero method. Uh, this is uh, I I coined the term uh, myself reset to zero. I, I when I read about it, it wasn't called this, uh, but the the method isn't new. It's just I call it this uh, to make a little bit more sense. So similar as a self-employed person, you know, I have variable income as well. All right. Uh, but I have at least uh, put myself in a situation where on a month to month basis, I can have some predictable income. Like this is like the minimum that I would earn. So there's still some people that the minimum could be zero. And I understand. But if your minimum is like, you know, at least you'll make 1000 a month, like at least, for example. That, to me, is then my budget for the month. My minimum amount of money that's going in will be my budget for the month. And that is the total amount of money that I would spend. So what, what I do is that I have separate bank accounts, okay? So money goes in, I would transfer this separate budget, you know, into another bank account. For the entire month, uh, for the entire month that's all I can spend. So let's say it's $1,000, all right? So I have a separate bank account that only at the start of the month has $1,000. If I finish that $1,000, let's say on the 25th, for example, before the month ends, too bad. I will eat grass for five days, you know? And I, I would have to train myself. Of course, this is not something you immediately get into the hang of it. You would slowly understand and you would then adjust as you go along. Uh, but yeah, that's all the money that I can spend for the month. Why is it called reset to zero? Is that I don't allow any balance money to roll over to the next month. 
and that builds discipline. So for example, let's say I give myself $1,000. On the 31st, I still have $200 left for the month. Does it mean next month I can spend $1,002? No. Next month I can still only spend $1,000. This makes sure that there's no creep in, in your spending. You know, you realize, oh, I'm actually spending a little bit lesser. Good. Then that just means you save that much more. Not that you allow yourself to spend a little bit more next month. So this can only work when you un truly understand your minimum income per month, usually. Um, you know, after maybe a few years doing freelancing, you might uh, have a hang at that. Truly understanding how much you spend per month, forcing yourself to stick to that plan on a month-to-month -month basis, and not giving yourself breaks. And I know it really sucks. It sounds like a miser, right? But it's so important because what I do with this money, see, the thing is, we talked about the emergency funding at the start, right? I also put a cap on my emergency funding. So for example, let's say it's 12 months of expenses. And let's say I spend $2,000 a month. So $24,000 I'm setting aside, and that's the max. I wouldn't put more money into emergency funds after that. Any more money, I should be investing, you know? So when we talk about how much cash you should hold, it should be how much maximum cash you should hold because if you're going to hold too much cash, then you're not going to be making your money, um, you know, work as hard as you are. Um, so, you know, these are things that uh, that we do. So once you figure out your minimums um, and your maximums, such as the amount of maximum amount of money you'd spend, this would kind of put into motion a little machine that you yourself build that would keep you sticking to that plan and not allow for you know uh, yourself to kind of go out of hand even if you start spending less and then you which would eventually end up with you spending more as the months go by if all that makes sense it, it makes sense in my head i can draw it out you know verbally it, it might take some time to catch all that yeah no it, totally i think it made a lot of sense i think it's a great advice to have different uh, accounts as well right so that you actually really build discipline i think at the end of the day as freelancers as i employed you know, as our own business, uh, you know, a business owner. I think discipline is always key yes. to whatever we do, right? So the same Absolutely. should be actually applied to financial management as well, right? So thank you so much for all the advice. But before we end, do you have any mm -hmm. last advice or words of encouragement for other creative freelancers during this COVID-19 situation? Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, I think I need that as well. I think that um, I would personally say like opening up over the last maybe week or so, it's been tough. You know, when we all are... See, the thing is, we're not alone, right? This is not something just you are going through. It's not just something I'm going through personally. We're all in this together. We're all having pretty much the same problem. Yes, certain, certain people may have different, you know, individual differences in the problems that they are facing. But on overall, we're, we're all pretty much facing the same problem power community helps truly and i've seen that luckily um on facebook even there's been um sg covid 19 support groups that has popped up um support groups for fnb people support groups for um people who are in film in photography i think the power community definitely helps i think right now um not only do we have to tap on the resources that that we have we also have to tap on the human um, you know, relationships that we have built along the way. I think uh, today we should, you know, not only think about, okay, where am I going to get my next gig from? As in like, f and like, oh, I lost this gig or I lost that gig. Everybody's losing gigs, 
right? I think moving forward, we need to have a concrete plan similar like the government. I I know I I quote the government a a lot, but similar, we should have our own reopening phase one, two, and three. You know, we should have our own understanding of what reserves can we tap on. It may not be financial. It could be human relationships. It could be knowledge um, resources that we have, that we are building up, that we are teaching that we are now forming groups, we are forming, um, you know, partnerships. And like when things reopen and we can properly, you know, start doing business, we can properly start making money again, that we really bounce, you know, that right now we're building this, like you're on the trampoline, you know, and you are sinking, right? But when you can finally, you know, uh, launch yourself, it has to be a big bounce. I think that's the most important. Don't be too late when everything reopens then you want to start you know it's like you know you've wallowed for five months so oh i can do business now but then you are crawling while everybody you know is really jumping off uh trampolines so you need to understand that when all this is is over and done with you need to have that bounce in your step as well and this is the time to build that because what else you got to do right so have the power community, build relationships, build communities, tap on human uh, capital, tap on knowledge capitals, uh, and the different resources that we have. Wow, that well said. Well That's all it. Yeah, well said. I really like your um, referral to the tra- trampoline. That is That really makes sense, right? Yeah. Right. All right. Thank you so much for your time. So um, if you enjoy our show, do let us know by clicking the like button or leave a comment below. Check out our freelance creative exchange site and join our Creative at Works community on Facebook and Instagram. Like what Harry say, you know, right now, um, join a community um, and we are all in this together, right? Yeah, so um, Paris, thank you for your time once again. So I hope to see you real soon. Um, And to the rest of the audience, take care and stay safe, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.